Good evening and welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and a special welcome to any friends and visitors who are worshipping with us this evening. Uh, give a special welcome to our preacher Steve and his wife Lou and family. So a special welcome for you. Thank you for uh, bringing God's word to us this evening. And um, I only have one notice that was given uh, this morning. Well, the, uh, the most important one. I know we had refreshments this morning, but slightly more important one this week on thursday uh, we meet for prayer 7:45, and uh, how we need to pray for the work of this church uh, the work of the church in this land and the work of the church abroad so uh, i encourage you to come and join us for prayer let's remind ourselves why we're here this evening we're uh, here to worship the living god for who he is and to praise him for what he has done. And to remember his greatness, his kindness, his power, and his grace to us shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're here to worship with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ by the power of the Spirit and guided by his word. As the scriptures say, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And the psalmist says, I will give you thanks with all my heart I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. 
I will bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and your truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. And so with these words from the scriptures, let's join together in singing, Come people of the risen King. Let's stand together and praise our God.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we would indeed come before you as your people, indeed as your children. Would you help us uh, to lift our eyes and our hearts to bring our praises to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for the revelation of yourself, great God, in the person of the Lord Jesus. You know each of us this evening. You know how we come before you. You know us individually. You've called us by name. We ask that you would encourage us by your Holy Spirit as we seek you in prayer and as we listen to your word. We ask that you would remind us again of the many blessings we have, loved with an everlasting love, forgiven of all our sins, adopted into your family, given new life by your spirit. Thank you that by your word you have given us new understanding and now we can see things differently. Once we were blind, but now we see. And so with this confidence given by your grace, we bring our prayers to you. Lord, as we look at our world, at the many situations of conflict, of famine, of corruption, and of the COVID pandemic, which has devastated so many lives throughout the world, we pray that you would make your presence known in these situations. We thank you that there are many Christian workers in these places who are bringing help and hope. We remember the work of open doors and we pray for your blessing on their work, that it would increase and bring comfort to many, meeting the many practical and spiritual needs in these dark situations. We particularly remember tonight the people of Afghanistan and the people of Uganda as they face so much turmoil. Grant that your light will shine in these places. We would also pray for those in our own land who have suffered recently, and we would bring to you the families in Plymouth who have lost loved ones through such senseless violence in the past few days. May they know your comfort as they grieve. We remember those who've lost loved ones in this fellowship and we remember before you the families of Les Ratherham, Pat Salt and Mike Elliott. And we pray that the families would have had cause to think about eternal things and reflect on the gospel which was preached at those funeral services. We ask that you would open the hearts of those who listened and bring them to saving faith in Christ. And we give you thanks for our children and young people. And we ask that the things that they hear each Sunday and through the week would point them to Christ. The temptations and distractions that they face as they grow up are immense. And so we pray that you would protect them and give us wisdom as we seek to teach and to help them. We ask that in these days to come, we will soon hear that you have spoken to them and that they have come to faith in Christ and want to be baptised. Thank you, Lord, that we can step out in faith and ask these things of you, for you are a loving God who does not want anyone to be lost. 
We pray, as we've heard today, especially for Olus and Julian, who's suffered a seizure over the weekend. Would you bless him, Lord, and guide those who will be caring for him. Help Ola to find strength in you. And for ourselves, we ask that you will encourage each one of us and help us to grow in love together. May each of us serve one another by our prayers and our acts of love, following our Saviour's example, being true servants in deed as well as word. We pray for our pastors, Tim and Steve, and their families, and we give you thanks for their faithful ministry week by week. May they be truly refreshed in their time away on holiday. We pray for those who are anxious and feel helpless at times, those who are struggling with physical and mental pain. Father, would you protect them from despair and give them strength, light and hope in their situation. Fill them with your spirit to look to you and to find the joy which only you can bring. And finally, we pray for the word you will bring us tonight. Bless Stephen as he opens your word to us, and we thank you for him. May he be blessed, and may we be built up and strengthened in our faith. And we bring all our prayers in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we continue our theme of praise as we stand to sing, Let the Earth Resound. And after we've sung this, Stephen will come and bring God's word to us. So let's stand and sing, let the earth resound. Let 
Our reading this evening is Psalm 113. If you could turn to Psalm 113, we'll read that together and then take a look at it. So Psalm 113, let's hear God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you again for your word, and we pray tonight, Father, that as we look at your word together, that you would bless us, that you would teach us, that you would help us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we would see the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, so would you, by the Spirit, lead us to him, open our eyes to his glory, his grace, and his majesty, that we may praise him as we ought. Father, help us in these things, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's lovely to be with you this evening. Um, I have preached to you a few years back, and um, it's a pleasure to be in Pelsall, in Warsaw. I'm not going to give you a full biography, don't worry, but I grew up in Wolverhampton on the other side of the M6. I like to say on the correct side of the M6, but I do want to leave here in one piece. So I grew up on the other side of the M6, and mum and dad, my mum and dad, are still in Penn in Wolverhampton, and we drove to you from there this evening. And we learned something new. We learned that between Shropshire and Penn, there are about four sets of traffic lights over 40 miles. And between Penn, Wolverhampton and Pelsall, 11 miles, I think, there are, well, I lost count of how many traffic lights there are. So ironically, it's a lot easier to get the 40 miles from North Shropshire to Wolverhampton than it is from Wolverhampton to Pelsall. But such is life 
and those uh, opportunities the Lord gives us to be sanctified. Well, our Bible passage this evening is Psalm 113, and our subject is praise. We're going to be thinking about praise. Uh, Interestingly, Morris talked about this a little bit in his opening prayer. Maybe you'll see that in a moment. I want to begin this evening by posing a question. Why has God saved us to be his people? In other words, what is the purpose of our salvation? There are several ways that we could answer that question from the Bible this evening. Perhaps, though, one of the most important Bible answers to the question that I've posed can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he writes the following, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been chosen to be God's people to bring him praise and worship. We've been given the duty, we've been given the delight of praising our God. As God's people, as churches, as individual Christians, we have many joyful responsibilities to fulfill in our lives. As Christians, as churches, we have the duty, we have the delight of evangelism, of telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the duty of undertaking world mission. We have word ministries to fulfill, mercy ministries, prayer. We have the responsibility of building each other up and so on. But perhaps our greatest duty and our greatest delight is to bring praise to our God. We have been called by God that we may declare his praises, Peter says. The Lord Jesus Christ lived, died and rose again to create true worshippers of our God. The Lord Jesus lived, died and rose again to redeem a people who would glorify God through their praise of him. As his people, when we praise our God, we bring him glory. When we praise our God, we're communicating his value to him, to each other, and to a watching world. When we praise him, we're expressing our adoration of him. We're expressing our reverence towards him, our gratitude, our love towards our mighty God. When we praise our God, we are fulfilling our ultimate and our eternal purpose as his people. We are fulfilling our chief end, as the Westminster Catechism puts it. We are glorifying God and enjoying him forever. There are times in our lives when we find praising the Lord to be more frequent, more regular, more spontaneous. We all know, I think, by experience that there are times in our lives when praising the Lord seems less frequent, less regular, and less spontaneous. From time to time, I think we'd admit that we need reminding of our joyful duty to praise the Lord. At times, we all need our praise to be reawakened, to be remotivated, to be refocused. 
We need, if you're like me at least, frequent reminders of who our God is and what he has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is my prayer this evening as we look at Psalm 113 together. My prayer is that the Lord would remind us of our joyful duty to glorify him by bringing him praise. And on top of that, I pray that we'd be motivated to praise the Lord as we're reminded of something of who he is and as we are reminded about what he has done for us. So three simple points this evening, Um, especially if you're a note taker, maybe you'd want to make a note of these. Three points, first of all, the command of the Lord, secondly, the character of the Lord, and thirdly, the care of the Lord. So number one, the command of the Lord, and we see this in verses one to three. The psalmist says there, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you his servants, Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Well, in these three verses, praise of the Lord is commanded five times. Five times praise to the Lord is commanded to emphasize its importance to us. And then right there at the end of the psalm, at the end of verse 9, we have, if we're in any doubt, uh, an additional instruction to praise the Lord. We are to praise the Lord as his people. Praising the Lord is a matter of obedience for his people. It's a non-negotiable if we are a Christian here this evening. Verse 2 tells us that we are to praise the Lord both now and and forevermore. As God's people, praise is to be constantly on our lips, both in this age and in the age to come. And then in verse 3, we're told that the Lord is to be praised from the east, where the sun rises, to the west, where it sets. When people undertake world mission, when they go to other countries to tell people of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ... They're doing so to create worshippers of the Lord across the globe from the east to the west that psalms like this one might be fulfilled. We see that we're told there that it is the name of the Lord which is to be praised. Verses 1, 2 and 3. Well, in the Bible, God's name represents all that he is. God's name stands for God's character as he has revealed to it to us in the Bible. God's name stands for his character as he has revealed it to us through his actions. In other words, we're to praise God for who he is and for what he has done for his people in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Old Testament times when this psalm was written, God's Old Testament people worshipped the Lord as creator, as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. They worshipped him as their redeemer from Egypt, as Yahweh, as the God of Israel. As God's New Testament people, we praise him supremely as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. More about praising God for who he is in a moment 
still in verse 1, we're, we're reminded there that it is God's servants who have the task of offering their praise to the Lord. Again, in the context in the Old Testament days when this psalm was written, the psalmist may have in mind here the Levites and the priests who serve the Lord in the Old Testament temple. Probably more likely, it's a call for the, for the whole of Old Testament Israel to praise the Lord. And again, with our New Testament spectacles on, in New Testament times, it's God's servants who are to praise the Lord. Well, who's that? It's us. It's the Lord's people, the church. It's we who are instructed to praise the Lord. Revelation 5.10 says that we are a kingdom and priests to serve our God. As Christians this evening, we are God's servants. We are to serve him by praising him. Are we obedient servants of the Lord in this regard? Together as churches, as individuals, are our hearts and lips to be frequently found praising our God? Second point, the character of the Lord. Number two, the character of the Lord, verses four to six. Well, one way that we can motivate our praise, we can fuel our praise, if you like, is by thinking about the character of our Lord. By spending time simply thinking about who God is. And the psalmist does that in verses four to six. In verses four to six in this psalm, we have, if you like, a potted theology of our God In summary form here, in verses 4 to 6, we're given information about our God to fuel our praise towards him. Verse 4, the Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? The first thing that the psalmist wants to show us here, wants to encourage us with here, is, if you like, the loftiness of our God. We might say his grandeur, his awesomeness. He wants us to see the loftiness of our God. We see in verse 4, we're told there about a God who is exalted over all the nations. Verse 5 tells us of a God who sits enthroned on high. Well, the psalmist here is reminding us of God's authority, his power, his magnificence, his majesty, his awesomeness, his sovereignty. The psalmist is reminding us that our God is in charge. He is in control. The psalmist is reminding us as God's people this evening that it is our God who reigns. He is seated, he is enthroned, he is exalted on high. Our God reigns over the nations. Even when nations fail to acknowledge him, they fail to acknowledge his right to reign, our God still reigns over the nations. Our God reigns even when the world appears to be out of control to our senses. Morris talked about the situation in Afghanistan this evening. 
And we look at that and we see pain and we see suffering and so on. And we think, surely the Lord is not in control of that situation. And yet the psalmist reassures us tonight that with the eyes of faith we can see that our God reigns. Interestingly, those verses, um, I think from, from Romans that were also read, talked about the fact that our God's ways are beyond um, following sometimes, beyond tracing out. We don't understand his purposes so on in history amongst the nations. And yet this psalm reminds us, comforts us, and encourages us that our God is in control of world events. Our God is exalted over China and Iran and the US and Russia and the United Kingdom. Our God is exalted over Biden and Putin and Kim and so on. Our God is sovereign over all the events in this world. He is sovereign even over global pandemics. One of my favorite theologians, um, a man called R.C. Sproul, that some of you will have heard of, American, went to be with the Lord a few years back. He used to say that there is not one maverick molecule in the universe. And uh, that's mind-blowing, that every molecule in the universe is under the control of our God. Um, But it's not just mind-blowing intellectually. It's amazing in, in an encouraging and comforting way that there is not one maverick molecule in the universe. We're being reminded in these verses that our God is king. Ultimately, our allegiance, our loyalty, our obedience, and our confidence, our praise, belongs to the God of the Bible alone. Our God is an exalted, enthroned God. He rules over the nations. In fact, we've got a wonderful little picture here of just how high, how exalted our God is. We see here in verse 6 that our God is so exalted that metaphorically he has to stoop down even to look at the highest heavens as well as the earth. So that's a wonderful picture of how lofty, how high our God is that he has to stoop down, as it were, simply to look at the heavens. Theologians use the word transcendent to describe our God. A big theological word, what's it mean? It means our God is greater than, he's independent of, his creation and his creatures. Our God is not dependent upon anything that is made for his existence Ultimately, for his glory. Our God is transcendent. He reigns above all that he has created. It's no wonder that the psalmist asks in verse 5, he says there, Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? Who is like the Lord our God? And the answer, of course, to that rhetorical question is no one. There is no God like the God of the Bible. One of the things that I find so useful in apologetics, in the theory of demonstrating the the truth of the Christian worldview, is the character of God as presented in the Bible. You know, human civilizations in the past and even today invent their own gods. 
But aren't they always second-rate gods compared to the God of the Bible? No man, no woman, no child would be capable of creating the God of the Bible, of imagining such a God. No, no God is like our God. Our God is the true and living God. If we want to see the majesty of our God expressed most supremely today, well, where do we look? We look in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some Bible commentators suggest that the Apostle Paul alludes to this psalm when he writes about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul writes that following Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And it's suggested that Paul there is taking this psalm about our God and ascribing it to the magnificence of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, following his death and resurrection, ascended higher than all the heavens. If we want to see God's glory, his, his magnificence tonight, we look with the eyes of faith to the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is the exalted Son of God. He is the radiance of God's awesome glory. As we meet tonight, he is seated in heaven at the Father's right hand. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ by his Father. And one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The psalmist saw, as he wrote in Old Testament times, the glory of God How much more um, this side of the cross and the resurrection can we see the glory of God, his, his majesty revealed to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that our God and his son are worthy to be praised. They're worthy to be praised because they are high, because they are lofty, we might say. But in another sense, they're to be praised because they are lowly. Lofty and lowly. Our God is an exalted God, but he isn't an aloof God. He doesn't stand far off from his people. He isn't a far off God. We see this hinted at in this psalm. We're told, as I've mentioned already in verse 6, that we have a God who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Yes, using picture imagery, we may have a God who has to stoop, to look down, but nevertheless we have a mighty God who does look down on the heavens and the earth. He's not a disinterested God. In fact, our God is quite the opposite. We'll see in a moment in verses 7 to 9, we'll see there a God who intervenes in the lives of his people. We have a God who looks and then he blesses and he intervenes in our lives. He is what theologians call an imminent God. An imminent God. And the word imminent there means he's close to, he's interested in, he's involved in his creation. We have a God who is not far off. That should cause us to praise him. 
And again, we, we look at the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that our God is the God whose Son did the ultimate stooping. It was the Son of God who became a man just like us. It was the Son of God who became Emmanuel, God with us. It was the Son of God who set aside the privileges of heaven to put on human flesh. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who took the very nature of a servant. It was the Son of God who came not to be served, but to serve. It was the Son of God who died on the cross in the place of his believing people so that we might be forgiven. We have a God who has stooped down. He has come to us in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our God is to be praised as a high and lofty God, but he is also to be praised for his lowliness. Our God is to be lifted high because, we might say, he came low to us. And that leads us nicely to our third point this evening. Number three, the care of the Lord, verses seven to nine. Number three, the care of the Lord, verses seven to nine. We should praise our God when we think about the care that he demonstrates towards us as his people. In verses seven to nine, we're given two illustrations of the Lord's care for his people. We're given two examples of the Lord's care there. In Old Testament Israel, the poor and the childless were seen to be the most pitied people in society. And in fact, very often the poor and the childless would be scorned by the rest of society. The fact that the poor were poor or the childless were childless was sometimes assumed to be the result of the removal of the Lord's blessing from them. It was popularly believed that um, poverty or childlessness came as a result of personal sin and thus the, the removal of the Lord's blessing. And yet this psalm tells us something very different. This psalm demonstrates that the Lord cares for and intervenes in the lives of even the lowliest of his people. We're told in this psalm about the God who takes those who scramble around in rubbish heaps and seats them with princes. We're told about the God who takes the childless woman and blesses her with a full home. Verse 7, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. So our God is the exalted God, verse 4, who himself exalts or raises the poor, verse 7. Our God is the enthroned God, verse 5, who enthrones or seats the needy with princes, verse 8. <coughs> Well, during lockdown, I read the biography of a man called Stephen Lungu. Anybody heard of Stephen Lungu here? No, not many, uh, not many nods going on. I'd not heard of him either, so you are forgiven. But uh, Stephen Lungu 
Um, went to be with the Lord earlier this year, I read, I think in, uh, in EN a couple of editions ago. Well, Stephen Lungu was a black Zimbabwean, and he grew up under white minority rule in what was then called Southern Rhodesia. Stephen Lungu lived as a street child, rejected by his family. He became a gang member and eventually became a terrorist opposing the white minority government. Stephen often slept under a bridge and he covered himself with sand and dust to keep warm at night. Stephen Lungu saw Christianity as a white man's religion used to enslave Zimbabwe's black population. One day he entered a missionary tent meeting, an evangelistic meeting, and he entered it with the aim of petrol bombing it. He waited for an appropriate time to throw his bomb. And I guess you can guess what happened next. He heard the gospel and was saved. Stephen Lungu became a follower of Christ. He became an evangelist shortly afterwards and he gave the rest of his life to evangelism in Africa <coughs> and beyond. He was sometimes known as the Billy Graham of Africa. But the point is this, Stephen Lungu had been raised literally from the dust under an African bridge and had been made a prince. He'd been made a co-heir with Christ, made rich with every spiritual blessing. But many of us know tonight that we don't need to go to Africa to see the Lord blessing the lowly. Many of us here tonight know from personal experience how the Lord takes lowly sinners like you and like me. He takes us from deserving of eternal destruction in hell and he raises us to be princes. He raises us to be his adopted children and to even to be co-heirs with the king himself. Our God so often takes the weak, the poor, the lowly, even the despised, and he makes us his own and gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our God takes the widow and the orphan and the childless and he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ. Our God takes the poor in spirit and gives us the kingdom of heaven. Our God is the God who raises his people up and seats us with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms. Our God is the God who takes rebels and sinners like us and blesses us with every spiritual blessing. Our God takes sinners from the ash heap and he puts us on a throne and it's all of his grace and mercy. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, himself became poor for our sakes that through him we might become rich. At enormous cost to himself, the Son of God descended to the grave, having borne the just anger of God against our sin, so that we might be lifted up. Our God's amazing lowliness should cause us to praise him, to lift him high. Let's finish um, the message this evening with some brief application. Let us be a praising people. 
Let's ensure that we're fulfilling our dutiful, sorry, our joyful duty. Might be a dutiful joy, but we'll call it our joyful duty to bring God praise. We've so much to praise him for. Let's ensure that we're obeying Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. I don't know about you, but I've fallen short of that this week. Something to repent of there. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Let's fuel our praise by spending time reading and thinking over Bible passages, truths and realities. Let's meditate on what God is like and what he has done for us. (coughs) Ask the Lord by his spirit to help us as we seek to glorify Christ by praising him. Ask him to help us to have an inward joy which overflows into an outward praise. We were having one of those discussions as a family this morning, one of those convicting discussions about the amount of time that we spend on our phones looking at Facebook or other total rubbish. Maybe this week, think about the fact, could you be spending more time fueling your praise in God's word rather than looking at the news or Sky Sports or whatever it may be. Let's think about how we can fuel, motivate our praise of our God. Let's flee this week from complaining or arguing. Let's use our mouths to praise and to express our gratitude to God. Maybe you're sitting there this evening and you'd say, well, Stephen, this is all well and fine, but you don't know my praise. My praise is weak. It's insufficient. I find it difficult to muster praise to our God. Well, I believe God's word tells us tonight that we should be encouraged to praise nonetheless. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you feel that your praise is weak or small or insufficient, be encouraged to praise nonetheless. One of the roles of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of his tasks, as it were, as our mediator is to take our imperfect praise and to present it perfectly and pleasingly to our Father in heaven. Be encouraged to praise our God this week. The Lord Jesus Christ takes your and my imperfect praise and presents it perfectly and pleasingly to our Father in heaven. Maybe you're not a Christian here tonight. Maybe you've yet to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you know nothing or or very little of this matter of praising our God. Well, our God says to you tonight, bow before the Lord Jesus Christ as you should. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. Become a Christian, God's word tells us. But when we become Christians, when you become a Christian, if you're not already one, you can praise God as you ought. You can praise him as your maker and your king, but as soon as salvation comes to you, you can praise him as your Lord and your saviour too. 
We're going to sing together, and then we'll, we'll pray together before we come to the communion table. Um, we're going to sing a hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, and then I'll lead us in prayer, and then I'll hand back over to Morris to lead us uh, to the Lord's table. Let 
Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word to us this evening. Father, we thank you for our salvation, that through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are your people. Father, help us to take our responsibility, our joyful responsibility to praise you seriously. We thank you that we've been saved, that we may declare the praises of you who have brought us from darkness into your wonderful light. Father God, forgive us for the times when we use our hearts and particularly our mouths in a way which is not glorifying to you. Father, help us to consecrate our lips mainly, solely, if not exclusively, to your praise and to your worship. Father, forgive us when we get it wrong. Forgive us when we are a grumbling and complaining people. Help us to use ourselves, our redeemed selves, our redeemed mouths to your praise and to your praise alone. Yet, Father, we still feel our smallness and even our sin, and we thank you that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, our imperfect and our weak praise can be taken by him and presented to you as a perfect sacrifice of praise. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you that he is our high priest as well as our saviour. Father, we thank you for him. Help us to think upon him now. Father, we thank you for every blessing from your hand. Help us to be a praising people this week, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we uh, come to the Lord's table, let's uh, take a few moments of quiet reflection. We've heard much of the greatness and the grace of the Lord, uh, how he is high and lifted up, and yet he stooped down, came down to live amongst us. I think of the words of uh, a Christmas carol. I know we're only uh, in the summer, but he came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. It's a great song to sing in midsummer, isn't it? Let's take a few moments to reflect on what we've heard this evening. So as we come to the Lord's table, I would just like to read two verses from Psalm 16, which expresses a token of our praise, a small token, but reflected in God's word, our thankfulness for who he is and what he's done for us. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And in this table before us, we have those visible elements of God's goodness and mercy in the bread and in the wine. Here we have the reminders of what God has done to secure our salvation. And we meet around this table, meeting as a family, to give thanks and to find grace from the Lord. We remember the words of the Lord Jesus, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. This meal is for those who are trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, having faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, for those who've been born again of the Holy Spirit. This is an expression of the fellowship of the local church, the Lord's Supper. Indeed, some might say it's the greatest and highest expression of that fellowship. This table is for all Christians who have faith in Christ, whether it be weak faith or strong faith. And this is our opportunity as a fellowship to feed on Christ in our hearts and minds, to think again on his goodness, his grace and love and mercy. And now I'll remind us of the words of the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'll ask our servers to come and distribute the bread, and we'll keep the bread and eat together. And when all have uh, been served, uh, and if you are not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, please allow the bread to pass by. So if the servers would come and distribute uh, the bread.
So let us eat together with thankful hearts, praiseful hearts, as we give thanks for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to purchase our salvation. May our hearts be full of praise. Let's eat together. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in memory of me. So I'll ask the servers now if they will serve the cup, and as before, we'll keep the cup and drink together when all have been served. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Now, final hymn is Yet Not I but through Christ in me. Let's stand to sing. What gift of grace is Jesus mine? 
fate I dread, no fate I dread, I know I am forgiven, the the price has been paid, for Jesus Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow I hope my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. All the chains are released. I can see I am free, yet not I, but through Christ.
shall repeat yet my life through Christ in me. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall Christ in me. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your goodness so clearly demonstrated in your word and brought to us this evening. Uh, Lord, we do ask that day by day you will indeed fill us by your spirit to praise you, to worship you for who you are and to praise you, what you for what you have done in our lives. We now pray for Stephen and his family as they travel to London this evening. Lord, we pray that you will give them journeying mercies and Lord, bless them in their time away. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>